Hello, faithful listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about why I'm a Christian. And I think when I finish this podcast, you're going to see how it makes so much sense. Let me start with this disclaimer. And and probably contrary to popular belief, I'm not a Christian uh, to feel good about myself, to avoid hell, or as any kind of a mental, moral, emotional crutch. I almost never think about those things. I mean, I, it just doesn't factor into any of my decisions about spirituality. Uh, especially hell. Uh, it's just not, it's a non-factor. Um, and so I think that might come as a surprise to most people. But I want to dive in uh, to why I'm a Christian. And I think it is um, an example of why many people who really do have a relationship with God are Christians. Um I think what you hear from me is going to pretty much be similar to what you hear from a lot of people who have a real relationship with God. I think you might hear something different from folks who either uh, became Christians because of a family connection, maybe parents, or maybe um, the feeling they got at church was that something that they had to do or they you know, would experience eternal punishment. And uh, I'm not saying that those things. I'm not saying hell is not real. I'm just saying it's a non-factor. Once you begin to get to know God and how good God is and and how much he loves you and how much he's for you, that other stuff just, it really washes away. And so I hope you'll stick around. I hope you're listening with both ears as we jump into this next episode of the Kingdom Podcast, Why I'm a Christian. So, glad to have you here. I am a Christian because, I guess if I could put it simply, God is so good to me. Now, God is a spirit. And in order to get to know God, you've got to get to know him. It's not something you can't mentally assent to um, an understanding of God. And what I mean by that is you can't figure God out in your mind. It's it's not a calculation that I made to say like, okay, if I, you know, it's like a recipe. If I have this amount of God in my life and this amount of sin in my life and and this amount of um, good relations with friends and this amount of money, then, you know, that, that all mixes up into a recipe for a good life. It's, it's not like that at all. God is not, God being a part of my life is not uh, a part of a calculation like that for me. And, and God set it up in this way. He set it up where you have to approach him by faith in Jesus Christ. You actually have to, I mean, I'm a very scientific person. I actually started college as a chemistry major. I, I, I left college as a political science um, major with a concentration in philosophy. So I'm a thinker. People who know me know that I am a pretty much a 
an ideator, a strategist, a critical thinker. That's just part of my makeup. I'm not saying I'm the best or the worst. It's just part of my makeup. Um, I tend to be a logical thinking person about things. Um, and uh, I would even say I'm more of, of a pathos kind of dude than, a, than an ethos. I'm more of a, a logic than an emotional type of person. But when it came, when it comes to God, it has everything to do with my heart for him. That scripture is not missing the moment when it says, and I'm quoting from John chapter four, when Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, he says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That scripture is not missing the moment. You know, Jesus puts, uh, a definition for the nature of God right next to this concept of worship. And most people would probably approach that like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am just trying to learn about like what God is. You know, what is God? And here you jump from God as a spirit to, to right into they that worship him. Okay. So Jesus, you're making an assumption. You're making an assumption that knowing God leads to worshiping him. And whoa, that's just like really slow it down there, guy. You know, that's really aggressive to go from me. Here's how you know God and here's how you worship him. Like what, how presumptuous is that Jesus, you know? But it's because, it's because Jesus loves his father so much. And he's so like, he's so, and I'm not, I'm not saying he was, I'm saying he is so in love and so in the love of his father. I would say this, and Jesus knows this, and, and anyone who has a relationship with God through Jesus knows this, and they have this same feeling about Jesus too, because they're one, Jesus is the son of God. But if you get to know them, here's what you begin to know. To know God is to love him, <laughs> and to love him is to worship him. To know Jesus is literally to love him, and to love him is to worship him. It is the most unnatural thing in the world. And I'm not going to qualify that. I just want you to hear me say that as an absolute truth. It's the most unnatural thing in the world to get to know Jesus, but then to not start to love him or the things about him. As I begin on my journey to get to know Jesus, I grew up in a church, heard a lot of preaching, a lot of sermons, a lot of prayers, a lot of Sunday school. But I can tell you, like, for a truth, that on November 30th, which happens to be the same day my daughter was raised from the dead many years later, but I became a spirit-filled Christian on November the 30th, a Tuesday uh, night of 19, I believe it's 1992 or 1993. I believe it was 1993. Yeah, 1993. It was a Tuesday night prayer. I was, um, I, my, my parents took me to church because it was Tuesday night prayer. And on this particular Tuesday night, I was, they sat me on the front row because I guess I wasn't praying the right way. You know, sometimes you bring the kids closer when they're causing problems. I don't know. Can't remember what I was doing before that moment, but they brought me to the front row to pray on the front row, which is really aggressive. And I was annoyed. I was annoyed because the front row is right by all the missionary ladies who are praying hard and breathing and 
they pray and they don't really watch how spit flies out their mouth. So it's getting on you and it's just disgusting. I was annoyed. I was upset. (laughs) But in the midst of this prayer, this particular night, I closed my eyes and I literally began to see, not prompted. It wasn't like preached up. It wasn't um, thought up or taught or talked up. It was really random. Um, But I began to see a vision. And this makes sense because I'm a seer. I I see visions all the time. I see God just shows me things, visions all the time. But one of the first ones I remember was seven years old on this night, November 30th. And the vision I saw was it was Jesus dying on the cross. And I saw it like a movie reel, like like a movie was playing in front of me. And I saw the blood coming down and I just saw, and actually the more I talk to people, many people have had this experience where the first thing, this first experience they remember about God was one in which they saw Jesus dying on the cross. The reason why that happens is because when you're seeing something spiritually, you know things that your mind can't calculate. And as I saw Jesus dying on the cross in this vision that I saw, I just knew he was doing it because he loved me without even without like having that said to me or having that like rehearsed or anything. Just what I was seeing, I knew he was doing that for me and for people. And I actually began to cry and I literally began to worship God in that moment. No one prompted me just based on what I saw and what I understood. I just began to love God. And (laughs) as a seven-year-old, and then eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old me, when most people would choose to do the wrong thing, I was one of those weird, odd kids who I would really consider, really consider if I was gonna do the wrong thing. And one of the ways I would do that is think about the Lord, like what the Lord did for me on that day, 2000 years ago, dying on the cross for my sins. That's still a factor. Actually, that's the factor. It's not what mom or dad say. It's not because I went to so many church services. Uh, I could have went to many fewer than what I did. Can I just say that? Is that okay to say? I wish I had gone to many fewer church services than what I did. I wish I had spent more time with family. We, We pretty much spent all our time at church or watching TV at home. We could have done so much more with our lives. But anyway, what prompts me even to this day is knowing how much Jesus loves me and what he did for me. But our relationship has grown beyond that vision I saw on November 30th, 2000, I mean, uh, 1993. Our, our, our relationship has grown because the Lord Jesus has continued to match me moment for moment. Every moment I spend with him in prayer or just honoring him or just loving him and just saying, Lord, I thank you for the things I know you've done. He matches that with more of his goodness. And even if I don't do it, he still is so good. On my best day, God shows me how good he is. On my worst day, he does. He shows me how good he is. And the way he does it is through communicating with my heart. One thing that you'll find is when you begin to be in a relationship with someone, you start to learn the way they talk. God is a spirit, but that doesn't mean he doesn't communicate. You have a spirit. We're going to cover that in another podcast. 
but he speaks to your heart. He speaks to your spirit. And the more you learn his voice, you get to understand how he highlights things to you. He does it every day to me. He will speak to me through different things I see, I know, or I hear in my heart. He highlights those things. Let me give you a quick story. I, I recently told one of my coworkers this story, and um, it's just so powerful. I don't know why I don't share it more, but there was a particular day. I think this was 2007, I want to say. Um, no, uh, 2006. It's 2006, um, and I had about 50 bucks to my name. And I remember praying one morning and I felt God saying in my heart, Kenneth, don't eat until I feed you. I was like, man, that's a hard word. (laughs) You know, I had done fasting from, you know, intermittent fasting here and there uh, throughout my entire life. Um, I had done like a a one day fast pretty often. I'd done um, a fast from from midnight to 4 p.m. the next day, every Wednesday for most of my life. And I had done some two-day, three-day fasts, but never was I, but all of that was planned. Never was I put on a fast by God to say, you know, don't eat until I feed you. But I felt God was saying that in my heart. And I'm like, whoa, that's a challenge. And then I throw up, open my Bible just to a random place in the Bible. And I begin to read and it talked about right the, like where I laid my eyes randomly opening the Bible was a scripture about how Jesus was saying, he's saying, don't I feed the birds of the air and don't I clothe the lilies of the field? How much more will I take care of you? I believe it was in Matthew chapter six. And I was like, okay, that's confirmation. So what I did is I took the $50 that I had, I split it up into fives and I mailed the $5 bill, one to each member of my family, one of my mom, my dad, my brother, my auntie, grandma, different people that I just, I just wrote out an envelope, put the five bucks in and mailed it all out. And that's the way this is called faith. Like that is not logical. Like for what reason would I mail my money away? Because I hear God say, I'm going to feed you. So don't eat. But you know, that's how my faith, that's what I felt in my spirit. My spirit just got charged by that word and I just started believing in it. And I believed it to the point that I wanted to put some action behind my faith. So what I felt to do was just mail my money away because God's got it taken care of. And that really is a kingdom principle, by the way. This podcast, the kingdom podcast, here's a principle I want to lay down right now. When God gives you a word and you know it's him, here's the principle. You won't have to do anything to make it come to fruition. If God says, I'm going to do something, oh, he's going to do it. I mean, you can put, you can bet your life. (laughs) He is going to do what he tells you he's going to do. Even if you totally screw up. If he said, I'm going to do X, X is happening. No matter what situation you're in. Even if you end up in hell, he's still going to visit you in hell and do X if he said he was going to do it. There's no way to screw it up. So God said, I'm going to feed you. And I was like, cool. I'm giving my money away then. God's got me. Now, after about (laughs) six or seven hours, I started getting really hungry. 
And I wanted to do something to distract myself. I'm like, look, I don't know how this is going to happen. Like my mind started kicking in. Sometimes you go from faith and you're, you go from a, a level of faith and then the thoughts, you know, logic starts to kick in. And my mind starts going, okay, first of all, how is God going to do this? What mechanism is God going to use to do this? How improbable is this? Like, what are you even thinking right now? Your mind starts to kick in and you have to tell your mind, first of all, shut up. I'm not listening to you. And I said, okay, let me distract myself. I was um, in that season trying to purchase a car and I needed to get a driver's license. So I drove, I took the bus. Um, I think I had a bus card and maybe a few dollars still left on me and used that money to, um, to go get the bus to uh, go to the DMV. So I go to the DMV, I wait in line, and I get up, you know, my turn comes up, and I get in front of this guy, his name is Ron. Get in front of Ron, and uh, this is like my first time at the DMV, so I didn't know it cost money um, to get your uh, license renewed, or, and he says, hey, you know it costs $20, right? And I said, no, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. He said, look, that's okay, you don't have it. Let me do, let me say this. Why don't you come back tomorrow and we'll get you taken care of? I said, okay. So I went back home that night. I had a great time of worship with God. I just didn't allow negative thoughts to come into my mind and um, did some prayer and scripture. And the next day I got up early and got on the bus and headed back to the DMV. I waited and um, Ron noticed me and I got back up to Ron. And I remember now that this was around December of 2006 because of some of the things I remember Ron saying. Um, Ron asked me some questions before we even got into the business of the license. He said, you know, what are you doing for Christmas? I said, well, not really doing anything. I, my family lives in a different place. I'm kind of here in this college town by myself. I've got some roommates, but they all do kind of different things. We live different lifestyles. He said, okay, that's interesting. He said, so, well, you know, I, I, I wanted to do something for you when I noticed you yesterday. It was just something interesting about you. And he says, um, look, it takes $20 to do the license. I'm going to pay that for you. But not only that, um, I just want to bless you with $50. He handed me a $50 bill. This man, Ron, at the DMV, I mean, notorious for employing all of the mean people in the world. This dude I never met at the DMV pays for my license and gives me $50 and then follows it up with this. He suggests, hey, why don't you go get yourself something across the street at, at the store? I said, well, thanks so much. And so I get my license. I walk out of there, go across the street. It was actually a dollar journal. And um, as I'm walking through the aisle, looking at the materials, I've got $50. It starts hitting me because God starts speaking to me. He says, now you can eat. <laughs> I just replaced the $50 that you gave away. <laughs> I literally dropped to my knees in aisle number, I don't know, aisle number six of the Dollar General and just began to worship God. This is what I meant when I said earlier, to know him is to love him. And to love him is to worship him. I did not have to think for a split second what my response would be when I realized that God had put me on this journey of trusting him. And I just dropped down 
and just begin to just thank God. That's what, that's what worship is. Just I just begin to thank him because he was so unbelievably good in that moment. Now, I don't know if you're going to believe it or not. I'm a true, I'm a true witness to these things, so I wouldn't make it up. If you ever want to ask anyone about these stories, you can ask my wife. You can email her, uh, GloriaWoodard30 at gmail.com. Or you can email me, thescholarshipman at gmail.com. Everything I'm going to say is true about this. That was a foundational moment that I had with God, led by faith in Jesus. I mean, it was the word of Jesus in the Bible that I just took to heart. What makes the story so good, folks, is that (laughs) when I got back home, (laughs) when I got back home, I had a check. I had a, uh, a series of envelopes that I had made, each with $5 in it. You see, because in my haste, I had put the return address in the wrong spot of the email. And I put the my address in the send to part of the e- of the mail, you know, the snail mail. The mail that I wrote for my family members to get the $5, I put my address where it was supposed to go for their address. So when I get home, not only did someone bless me with $50, but I blessed myself with $50. Now, I didn't send that $50 back out to family members. <laughs> I kept it and I went on about my business. I made some, I think I made beet, beet soup that night or something. I can't remember. Um, but I was abundantly blessed by God and by myself uh, accidentally. And I ended up with more money, double, double the money. In two days, I doubled my income in two days just by trusting God. But I also made a friend and Ron and I became friends. He he would take me to Denny's and we would chat. He was this older white guy who just, you know, just took an interest in me. And we would talk and he would share advice. And um, I lost touch with Ron. I don't know where he is now. Uh, I think he moved out of town, but uh, that, that turned into a friendship. And I would share some of these stories I'm telling you right now with Ron as a friend. I would just talk about the Lord. And uh, I don't even know if Ron was a Christian. Actually, I just, I don't think he was, but I would just share about God, just like I'm doing with you right now, whether Christian or not Christian. And I can tell you, uh, we'll get into it in future podcasts, but that was a foundational moment for me in trusting God. He doubled my income, but there have been times where I trusted God and gave my money away. And literally the next day I saw my, my, my income double. And, and, it, and I didn't have $50 at the time. I'm talking about I was getting paid $38,000, $29,000, dollars And I trusted God and gave a large gift away. My wife and I agreed on it. We felt God to give this large gift away. And it was the majority of all of our savings money. And the next day, I got a call and it was a it was an offer to actually move my income from I think it was at twenty nine or thirty thousand dollars at the time, and then and then I got an offer the next day after we made that gift to go to fifty three thousand, something like that. 
that was a one-day turnaround. That's not even, I don't even think that's the craziest. It's not. That's just one example. And it's not all about money. I guess I talk about money in these examples, not because I'm focused on money, but that's, I think here's, here's what it is. Because I'm not too focused on money, some of the craziest miracles that I've seen in my life had to do with money. And I think it's because God trusts me with money. If I was a different kind of person where money was more of a, a vice, my, my, my stories might have to do more with how God has done other things, like maybe restore family members or uh, maybe heal broken bones or, or other things. But so, a lot of my stories have to do with how God's blessed me financially because I think that's an area, not only an area where he trusts me, but it has to do with what he's written about me before I was born. And, and I don't want to suggest at all that the reason I serve God is because of money. That's not what I'm saying. It just happens to be some of the things that I mentioned. Um, you know, I, one of the things, the, the most powerful miracle I've ever seen in my life, obviously, is my wife and I praying over my daughter's dead body and her coming back to life. I'll share that in a future podcast. That's the most mirac- miraculous thing that's ever happened. And um, and I saw it with my two eyes. And um, I have the medical records to show. I have the the footage, the videos, and even um, things that I can prove. If anybody ever wanted proof, I have it in spades about my daughter coming back to life. But I didn't start loving Jesus when that happened. I loved him before that. I trusted him before that. I heard his voice before that. I built a relationship before that. A lot of times people get into a crisis and they try so hard to hear God's voice. And what I've told people is that you probably want to have a relationship with God prior to the crisis. It's not that he won't show up in the crisis. He always does. But it's hard to hear God because of you, not because of him when you get into a crisis. Because you have the crisis and the trauma from the crisis weighing on you. And then you're straining to hear the voice of God amidst all the voices in your life, in your soul, in your mind. And you're trying to sift through in a way that you really haven't mastered before. But if you master sifting through the distracting voices of the devil, of yourself, and of people who don't have the right spirit, Uh, and they're giving you advice, if you don't know how to sift through those voices and hear the voice of God before the trauma, it does become difficult to hear God during the trauma. And so I'm not saying that, again, I'm not saying that the reason I serve God is as as an insurance policy uh, against bad things or traumatic things happening so I can hear his voice and know how to navigate. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because I would tell you this, Um, There have been times, even for me, even with the relationship I do have with God, that I get into a traumatic event and it's so hard to hear God even still. And and that's okay because sometimes God doesn't, he doesn't, the way he is, he says just what he needs to say. Sometimes he won't say a lot to you because he's already told you what to do and you just haven't done the last thing he said. (laughs) And so there's no pattern strategy to figure God out. You just got to trust him. It's all about trust, but I don't love him and worship him and serve him out of an insurance policy for what might go wrong. I'm not worried about what might go wrong. I don't have a worry about that. I legit don't worry about things going wrong. I just, it's not a thing. It's not a thing for me because I have found, remember I talked about in the last podcast, my underlying foundational structural hope in life is that I know God is with me no matter what. And so that carries me 
through whatever bad thing will happen. In fact, I, I strongly believe in, in Romans 8, 28, that, that no matter what happens, God will turn it around for my good. Even if it's bad, he'll make it good because he because I love him and, and because my my hope is in him. And so this is just a brief kind of precursor for why I love God. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this episode of the Kingdom Podcast, Why I Am a Christian. And uh, if you ever have questions, feel free to email me. I would love to hear from you. God bless everyone.